Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. What a privilege to be able to come to God's house, worship and praise him. Amen. And uh, best place you could be is right here in the house of the Lord this morning. There's no place that would be any better than this morning than to be in church. Amen. In a world that is so quickly uh, turning away from God, especially our country, and uh, so rapidly uh, excelling toward atheism and uh, all sorts of weird religions, man, it's good to be in God's house. Hallelujah. Get out of that old world of sin. Amen. We count it a privilege and an honor to be here again this Sunday morning with all you good folks and pray that the Lord will use us somehow uh, to talk to you. And I feel I feel the same way about your pastor. We get to talking here in the last couple of days about um, our vision, our, our passion, what we want to do for the Lord. And it seems like we are on the same page. And uh, I feel like I've known him a lot longer than I have. And it's just like we just took to each other very quickly. And uh, I appreciate him and uh, appreciate his his drive. I appreciate your pastor's love and passion to do a work of God here in this city and in this area of Kansas City. Amen. There needs to be a strong light of truth. There are a lot of churches you could go to this morning, a lot of places you could be. Amen. But God saw fit to bring you into this sanctuary today because he has got a purpose and a reason. Amen. Amen. And I feel like the Lord wants to talk to us again today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Judges. And um, Judges chapter number 16 and verse number 28. Judges chapter 16 and verse 28. Thank you. Again, Pastor Riggins, Sister Riggins, for all of the um, all of the very thoughtful things that you have provided for my stay here, and um, uh, to make it more comfortable. And uh, I want you to know I appreciate it as it uh, gets me ready for this jumping-off place tomorrow as I head to South America. And I feel like I want to turn around and go home. I'm already missing home, and, and I'm not ready for a week down in Brazil. But I have a daughter down there that I've not seen in a while, Sister Lambeth, and then two grandsons that I'm going to look forward to seeing them. And I'll tell you what, grandkids are a whole lot better than my kids were. They are, I'm sorry, see, they're not here to, to get feel bad at me, but I'm telling you, those grandkids are so much better. Amen. They're more fun. Take them home and fill them full of Coca-Cola and candy and caffeine and, and then I just hand them back to their parents as they're scratching the ceilings and their eyes are bugged out. Oh, it, it is so wonderful to pay my kids back. Now, I had two wonderful daughters, amen, and they were good kids, but uh, they sure deserve what they have right now. Wonderful grandchildren, so I'll be glad to see them. I'm not used to boys, and my youngest, my baby's got two boys down there in Brazil, and 
So I've had to get accustomed to having grandsons, you know. And uh, they are, boys are different than girls in raising anyhow. They're little ways. And every time they do something that I would have never allowed my kids to do, you know, my wife keeps reminding me, well, that's because they're boys. And I didn't realize that, that, that there were a different set of rules for boys than there are girls. But my wife is educating me. Amen. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, more than anything, my mind, my mind um, and my heart uh, has been centered on what to do in these next two services. Um, because this is where my burden is. Your pastor has taken a great risk in having me come all the way from California uh, to preach. And I appreciate that invitation. I'm honored by your great man of God to have me. But I want to obey the Holy Ghost, and every church is different. And and while I'm here, I I don't want to just dish out to you, you know, just whatever's here. The Word of God will bring forth because it's His Word. But I believe there's a distinction in a message that absolutely pinpoints what God wants in that service. Now, I don't really know all of you, you know, a, a few that I, I've just met, and and uh, I don't know anything about anybody here. I, I don't even know any names whatsoever. And uh, uh, so it's not like that uh, I, I'm going to preach from observation, though that is a preacher's right. We preach by inspiration and observation. And um, some have forgotten that observation, and it has dwarfed their ministries because definitely we need to preach what we see. Amen. But we do need to preach by inspiration. And uh, I want to, I want to, I want the Holy Ghost to talk to us. I don't, um, we could spend a few minutes here, go home and eat lunch and maybe feel adequate, you know, that we, well, we did the Sunday thing, but, but I want some lives changed today. And and I just believe that the Holy Ghost can talk to you today. Amen. God can talk to you. And um, let's just see what the Lord will do, shall we? Judges chapter 16, uh, verse number 28. And Samson called unto the Lord. Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And that's the only passage I want to read this morning. It is pulled and plucked out of an entire story that many of us are familiar with. It is the conclusion of a life. It is the conclusion of a ministry, that of a judge within Israel. And he said twice in verse 28, drawing, if I could, your attention to this, but he said, I pray thee, Samson called on the Lord, and he said, I pray. And then he said again, he said, I pray.
afraid thee. And his request he gave to God. I find it to be what I want to talk to you about today. And uh, not wanting to be negative, but it is my title. But I want to preach to you on too late to pray. Too late to pray. Father, we come to you in the precious name of the Lord. Would you pray with me, church? God, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this service. God, anoint my mind, anoint these lips of clay to preach, teach your word today. God, that the words that I speak, God, would not just be origined from intellect, but God, by anointing. God, there are people here this morning that you want to speak expressly to. I pray, Lord, that they would receive the engrafted word. Lord, that you would open their mind and you would drop the blinds from their eyes to see something they may not have noticed or seen before. God, I pray today that the word would have free course and Lord, that you would break down every barrier, Lord, every resistance, God, that at the name of Jesus, God, that it would be done according to your will. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated for a few moments this morning. Too late to pray. Too late to pray. Samson it starts off in verse 28, which is concluding the entire ministry of a young man that was raised and who was dedicated to the work of God since he was born. A young man that had a vow put on his life of the Nazarite vow. If you were to read of his history, you will find that he was a man that was sequestered and separated Amen. For a very holy rite. Amen. Set aside. There were a lot of Nazarites, but only one had a calling on his life. There were many Nazarites, but there was only one here that is being recorded in God's word for us to look at who God had a plan and he had a mission in his life to do a great work. Amen. He was to be one of the judges. Amen. Many others that would soon follow in the history of Israel. Amen. To judge Israel during this period of time. Amen. Before the kings. And we find that during his reign, if you would call it so, amen, the time that he spends, that it seems almost sad to me that at the conclusion of his ministry, amen, as things are wrapping up and Samson possibly only has hours or minutes to live when he began to pray. And the Bible said it was here that he called on the Lord. And twice he said, and I know it's an expression, and I'm not trying to do a play on words, but it's significant, Elder, that at the conclusion of his ministry, that it's now that Samson begins 
to pray to God. When I read of the history of Samson and the record of all that he did, I do not find anywhere else that Samson prayed. But he spent an entire lifetime, amen, without prayer being recorded in the Word of God as a part of his ministry, a part of his private life, amen, never is it recorded until the very end, amen, in a rough situation, at the conclusion of his life, while everything is being wrapped up, it's now that he prays, it's now that he tries to find God. I don't know the numerical year exactly that he had been in bondage. Amen. How his eyes, amen, were burned out of their sockets or plucked out. Amen. And he had been grinding at a mill. Amen. Pushing that heavy beam round and round and round to grind the corn or the grain for the sustenance of a wicked and an evil nation that did not love God, that hated God, that worshiped idols, that worshiped stone. They were an, they were an opposite of everything you could think of, of God. And here, the leader of God, amen, here, the judge of God, of God's holy people that had been called, amen, out of the Chaldees, amen, was now grinding mill as a mere servant, as a mere beggar, as a mere slave. Amen. What a horrible, amen, end to a life that could have been so much more. But now he is grinding a mill. Now his life is summed up and he's at the end. And now he begins to pray. And he prayed to God, Lord, give me an avengement of my eyes. You see, a Samson's mind still was not on. Amen. The, 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 the life of Israel, amen, or the condition of the people, or God, it was still about himself. It was about his eyes. But our benevolent, oh, merciful God heard his prayer. We know the story of Samson, how that in the final end, more men died at the collapse of that Colosseum that day than in all of his fighting and slaying and victories in one day. But it cost him his life. He died beneath the rubble. Amen. Of the final prayer that Samson prayed. Amen. His life. Amen. Abstinent of prayer. Yet throughout his life you can read where God used him to fulfill his plan for Israel. Amen. He fought Philistines. He fought the enemy. And on every side, God was there to give them victory. I wonder sometimes if the victories were not so much as a result of the passion of Samson and his love for Israel, but rather because the plan of God needed to be fulfilled. really wondering if in the bigger picture 
Amen. It's not so much what you are looking for as an accreditation, acknowledgement of what you are, as much as it is there's a bigger plan that God is putting together. 22 years of ministry and his life, Samson, contained practically nothing more than a record, amen, of victories, of gates that were picked up off of their hinges and carried superhumanly to the top of a hill and thrust down. Amen. A record of fighting thousands with a jawbone of an ass and killing every one of them. A record of setting on fire. A record of victory after victory. But there is nothing there of a relationship that he had with God. There's no writing. There's no record that he had any kind of a relationship with God. He never built any altars. Amen. You don't read where he built altars. Other than when he called on God because of thirst to complain, he didn't even speak to God except that he was thirsty. And he said, well, I die here also. And God made water come out of that jawbone. Amen. You find in the record of Samson that he chose to marry outside of the will of God, outside of the children of Israel. He found himself a wife, and even that ended up in catastrophe. Amen. And you know the story of the riddle and his wife being given away to the, the friend of the bridegroom or his best friend. You find that, that, that he consorts with prostitutes, finds his inner Entertainment. Amen. Laying in the lap of a young lady by the name of Delilah. Not only just an enemy of the people of God, not just an outsider of another nationality that God said you're not to marry or to consort with, but she's also a known prostitute. And here laying in her lap beneath her spells. Amen. Of so-called love. Amen. Which is nothing more than lust. He falls, amen, to her seducing spirit. In Hebrews, I know he's mentioned, not because of his relationship with God, but because of the hallmarking, amen, of what God did, amen, during his time and the feats of faith in that area, but rather, amen, his testimony of a Nazarite while it was still intact. Can I tell you, people who do not pray, people who don't pray, may do some great things, but they always lose in the end. Don't follow after everybody that appears to have a miracle, amen, or a moving of some sort of razzle and dazzle. That's not what it's all about. Amen. Because the great things of God are wrought in prayer. Amen. Prayer. 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 Say it with me. Prayer. Prayer. Say it with me. Prayer. 
Prayer is the greatest weapon known unto man. Prayer is a greater weapon than all of the nuclear armament of every nation in the world bundled together in one place. Prayer is more powerful than the biggest supercomputer that has ever been invented. Prayer is more powerful, amen, than the richest men in the world. Prayer is more powerful than the greatest ruler in the world. Prayer is more powerful, amen, than your family. Prayer is more powerful than the economy. Prayer is more powerful, amen, than any existing power in the world. I'm here to tell you that the easiest thing you could do is the thing that we ignore the most, the most available and greatest tool on the earth. It's just a kneel away. It's just a prayer away. We talk about prayer. Even doctors in the secular world have written books that give acknowledgement to people that pray that medically, scientifically, they can't understand that, 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 that physically, metaphysically, medically, they, there are things that, that, that went beyond their teaching and their knowledge, went beyond the test tubes and the chemicals, amen, and something because somebody prayed. I've come to tell you that prayer is the answer today. There is no demon. There is no force in hell. There is no battle of the devil that he's able to present that can overcome the church when the church learns how to pray. Prayer. Prayer, the greatest weapon known unto man, and yet it is used the least. It is too simple for men to pray. Amen. It seems like, oh, come on, preacher. Amen. Prayer. Everybody can pray. You know, we pray for our food. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. And then we we pray when we go to bed at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. Amen. Hope the Lord to my soul will keep. I don't even know that one. You just come to me. Amen. And we do our little prayer. And we sit down without thought. Amen. I'm going to tell you that if you can ever grasp in your mind that when you pray that you have an absolute connection, amen, with the almighty God, amen, that holds the worlds in his hand, the God of heaven, of whom all power is, that when you pray, you've got a direct connection with God, amen, and that there is power in that, you've got to have faith that God is, and he is able to do that which he has promised, I'm here to tell you, prayer is your greatest weapon, against this world while we rock and reel from all of the trouble and the crisis and the problems and your marriage may be blowing up and your family feel like it's falling apart. Would you learn to pray? Would you learn to pray? Prayer is the only thing that's going to keep you when the waves are crashing over the side of your ship and it feels like all is lost. Learn to pray. Prayer is your help. Prayer is your power. Prayer is the answer.
but it's got to go past the Pharisee's prayer. It's got to go beyond. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others theirs. Lead me not into temptation. Amen. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to go almost like you got to visualize this. Come on, somebody. you got to visualize that God is right there. You're not just praying to a pew. You're not just praying to a wall. But God is right there. And he's listening. And he wants to hear from you. He may not come when you want him. But I'll promise you, he will come right on time. Oh, he may not say yes. He may say no. But it's power with God to pray. To pray. To pray. It's powerful. It's potent. It absolutely has no boundaries. It has no height. It has no depth. It has no width. Prayer cannot be measured. Yet we do not pray. How many times when we get in the middle of a mess, somebody will say, have you prayed about it? And you can't honestly say, I've really prayed about it. Because you haven't. The Bible said you have not because you asked not. I'm here to tell you, the devil can't deliver. The medical world can't deliver. The psychologist can't deliver. I'm here to tell you that Obama can't deliver. But I've got a God that hears our prayers and he will not forsake you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Prayer. 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 I believe has changed the course of nations. Prayer has saved lives. Oh, yeah. The problem is it's too simple to pray. Amen. You don't have to exert any special energy except kneel down and pray. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a great portfolio. You don't have to have a big job, and you don't have to have a degree. All you got to do is pray. The simple man with no education can pray and be powerful with God. A young person that feels like they have no place in the church and feels like nobody notices them. God hears your prayer as much as he hears anybody else's prayer. You hear me? It doesn't matter of your background. You've got to just learn and access the greatest power there is, and it's the power of prayer. Prayer. But Samson waited a little late to finally pray. We want things that are, you know, things that, that, that we get involved in are things that impress us. Seminars, any of y'all ever been to seminars? We like the seminars that are exciting. The orator is impacting. He, he, he's an orator. And, and they pass out a syllabus. And they, we get all the materials. And we feel like we're doing something. We've got this big old thick folder. Amen. And I've got something here. Amen. We're going to get something done here. Amen. And we feel like it's got to be something extensive. We feel like it's got to be something that's big. It's human nature. We like that. Human nature likes that. But I'm talking about a spiritual nature this morning. 
come from California, part of the country where they were a man by the name of Howard Hughes. Many eons ago, that dates me, doesn't it? But Howard Hughes, with all his billions of dollars and his money, had access to knowledge and expertise and talent. One day decided to build the largest airplane that was ever built. It was called the Spruce Goose. You all ever hear of the Spruce Goose? It's the largest plane that had ever been built, ever been built in its day. Well, that would have been post-World War II. I, I can't even remember the year, 50s, maybe early 50s, the 60s. He built, maybe it was the 60s, he built the Spruce Goose. It had the longest wingspan of any plane, that, that, uh, uh, more than any plane ever built. It, 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 it tail to rudder. Hey, man, it was the biggest plane that there ever was. It was gigantic. It was huge. It was massive. It used to be parked in the Long Beach Harbor in California, and you could go through it and look at it. it it's unbelievable. Hey, man, even in today, it's unbelievable. If I'm correct, hey, man, not even that new plane that they just grounded, uh, hey, man, for a little while there by Boeing is as big. I mean, this plane is huge. It had the latest technology. It had, man, they, 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 they promoted this on the day they were going to fly all over the country. There were all over the world people came. Uh, they got pictures of it. I wasn't there. I wasn't born yet. Hey, Amen. They have pictures. Uh, and and uh, everybody was there to check out this plane that money built, that that expertise. And it, it wowed, it wooed everybody. My goodness. They looked at the plane, the engineering, the wings, the, the siding. They went in the carpeting, the, the technology, the panel in the cockpit was, what blew the mind of pilots. They've never seen so much instrument. They've never seen so much technology in a plane. It, the, the engines were top-notch. I can't remember if they were uh, 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 Rolls Royces or what, but they were the, the top-of-the-line engines, and, and, and it was impressive, and everybody loved it. And they were oohing and on. Reporters were riding. Pictures were snapping. Mr. Howard Hughes got in that plane, started it up. I may be wrong, and there may be somebody here that is better on um, the, accurate, uh, the accuracy of the exactness of what I'm going to say, but I'm close. If I remember right, when I read this, it flew 70 feet over the water and back down. From that day, they never flew it again. It became a mu museum piece. To my understanding, they took it up to Portland, Oregon or someplace. Now, it's not in Long Beach. It's now up there. And people can walk through this museum piece. It was so big. It was so impressive. But it wouldn't fly. Man, you got some programs. You got some things that you've lined out. Man, they're so impressive. They look good. Man, everybody's oohing and on. Wow, they are something. But it don't fly. It just don't fly. My Lord, you need something that'll fly. But prayer is too simple. But it'll fly, honey. Amen. It'll soar to the reaches of the heavens. You hear me? Prayer. Amen. We need some prayer in this hour. 
not great feats in 2 Kings 5 and 10. It said, Elijah, Elijah sent a messenger unto him. That's uh, Naaman. Saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times. Y'all know the story. Naaman, right? He had leprosy. He had leprosy. Great, great warrior. Chieftain. Captain. Capitan. However you want. He was the big kahunas. Chief of everything. He was big. He was bad. People shook around him. He was a conqueror. Man, he was the man of the hour. Amen. He wasn't even an Israelite, just a Gentile dog. And it said Elijah sent a messenger unto him because he wanted to be healed of his leprosy. And he, say, he said, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. He got, you know that word wroth. I know it's an old word, but it just means to blow your top. Angry. Anybody understand? You know what red line means? That's what he was doing. And he was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me. He wouldn't even come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. It's right there in your Bible. That's what he said. And then he said, Are not a bana? And Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and said unto him, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then? When he saith to thee, wash and be clean. And Naaman said, yeah, man, if he had asked me to, you know, kill 500 Hittites, I'd have done that. If he asked me to take this great city, I'd have done that. But all he asked you to do was go wash in the Jordan. You see, we get in our mind if it ain't big. Like this morning, you're waiting for the big punch. There's no big punch it's just prayer. Prayer is the key. Oh, there's an old song, and, and y'all may not know, but I remember it from years ago because I'm an old man, and so I just remember old songs, and I let my young people sing all the young songs, but I remember an old song said that prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. Y'all remember that one? Prayer without faith. I don't know the rest of the words. I don't have my song people here. They always fill in for me. That's when I look at Michael Brown. He finishes it, and I don't look stupid. He ain't here. Now I look stupid. All right. But it takes prayer. It takes faith to believe God. You've struggled with something a long time. You've been struggling with something for a long time. For some reason, saying you thought preachers could could come up with something greater than this. The thing that you're struggling with this morning will be won in prayer. 
another old song that says, when you've tried everything and everything has failed, try Jesus. But you got to pray. You see, when your walk with God consists of the five natural senses, they'll all fail until you learn how to pray. You go to the five senses, touch, taste, smell, hear, see. When your walk with God consists of touching what you feel, tasting, smelling, hearing, and what you see, you're going to end up in failure. Because see, there's another man that, that, that's on my mind this morning by the name of Isaac. And he was a great man. He's listed in one of the patriarchs of, of Israel. He was a man of destiny, was he not? A man of destiny. I mean, he was born when his father and mother were beyond the age of having children. He was born after uh, after the Ishmael problem. He was born, and, and then he was almost sacrificed, right? I mean, you know, and, and an angel called out him because he had destiny. He had a call in his life. I, you, you listen to me. Just the call of God in your life and destiny will not mean that you fulfill God. A lot of people with destiny. See, because Isaac had destiny, did he not? He had a call. He was going to, he was part of the plan that God told Abraham out of your loins. Man, your people are going to be so multiplied. They're going to go beyond the, the, if you could number the sand of the sea, at the stars in the sky. But it all was going to come through Isaac. He was a man of destiny. It was up to Isaac. Destiny. But Isaac never prayed. You can have, I don't care who called you to preach. I don't care who prophesied over you. Who shoved a bumped you into what position. And that destiny and prophecy may be true. future of Israel rested upon him and he messed up. The only record of, record of, uh, of Isaac praying was when his wife uh, was still barren. Didn't have a child. He dug a lot of wells. He knew how to dig wells and he became very wealthy. But Isaac never prayed. I'm going to tell you why he was so carnal. Because God told and prophesied that the, that the elder shall serve the younger when his wife Rebekah held in her womb Jacob and Esau. And he said the elder will serve the younger. And, and, and it never clicked with Isaac because Isaac didn't pray. Isaac had destiny. Isaac had a plan. But Isaac never learned to pray. God said there are two in your wife's womb. Two nations that are fighting. She had twins, and, and, and she didn't know why there was so much trouble. And the Lord said, because they're warring. And, and God said, the elder's going to serve the younger, but you never find Isaac living his life and decisions and choices after the boys were born with the prophecy in mind. You find Isaac consistently and continually pushing Esau to the front. 
Because when you rely on your five senses to see, to hear, to touch, to smell, to taste, you're going to end up the loser. Let me just show you where, where, where he messed up. Amen. When, 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 when Rebecca sent Jacob in to, 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 to get that meat after Isaac said, before I die, I got to bless him. I mean, even to his death, Isaac was still trying to put the blessing on the wrong boy. He, did, he forgot. He ignored. You know why? Because when you don't pray, you don't know what God wants. Amen. You think you do. Just because there's a calling on your life, you can do a certain amount right. But you need direct connection with God so you don't blow it. That's why we've got to pray. The church is preordained. The church is predestined. The church is getting out of here. The church is going to be glorious. Said we've got destiny. We got the power of the word. Yes, but if the church doesn't pray, the church in this city, if you don't pray and get the mind of God and get behind your pastor, you will do the wrong thing, even though there's a call on you. And so, Isaac, sitting there, Jacob walks in, and he ignored. He said, I hear the sound of Jacob's voice. But it didn't trigger anything because Isaac was operating on the senses of the physical. He got I'm telling you, it's time for this church to step up. It's time for us to enter into another dimension. And it can only be wrought by prayer. It's a spiritual world that we've got to get into. I'm telling you, when you pray, amen, supernatural things begin to happen. When you pray, everything you fought for, you don't have to fight no more because God opens the door. You don't have to open the door. You don't have to make a certain amount of money. You don't have to make certain things happen. When you pray, the supernatural world of God and the kingdom of heaven is open to you. And there is no limits. He ignored. He said, that's the sound of Jacob. He said, not so, my father. He said, feel my arm and touch. Failed him as he felt the fur that Jacob had, his mother had wrapped around his arm. And, oh, yeah, that's you because that's what I feel. I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to have revival in these last days, we're going to have a genuine move of God. It'll come because of a spiritual reformation. It'll come because somebody got a hold of the king of kings. Somebody pushes away from the table, says, I'm not eating. Somebody finds themselves in a closet of prayer, and God will answer. But when you live for God by what you feel, your feelings will lie 
lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. I don't feel this is right. It doesn't matter what you feel sometimes. It's thus saith the word of God. And his feeling failed him because he felt the fur around his son's arm. Amen. His eyes failed him because he was blinded this time and he could not see. And then his smell failed him because he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. And did Isaac not write these words? Did he not say these? Was it not written? See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field. His smelling failed him. God was using him. The very senses he relied on, the personal failure to Isaac, was using to propone his will in the pages of holy writ and in mankind and Israel. Because a man didn't learn how to pray. And then his taste surely failed him. I hate lamb. I don't like mutton. It's steak. I've ate it in high dollar restaurants because they said you're going to love this mint, lamb ribs, barbecue, gaga maggot on a gut way. I do not like. I do not like lamb. It's got a pungent, strong smell. Does it not? How many of you ever ate lamb? It's strong. It's pungent. So his taste failed him because how you get lamb to taste like venison? It must have been all barbecue sauce. That's all I can say. And his taste buds failed him. And you know the rest of the story. He blessed Jacob with all of the blessings until there were no more. And old dumbhead Isaac, unpraying Isaac, in the end still tried to conjure up a couple mumbled, you know, inconsequential phrases for, for Esau. When he, Is there not one blessing? Okay, that's, and that's what he got. But Isaac took it, I mean, Jacob took it all. People that don't pray will miss the will of God. Poor Samson, it was too late to pray. Somebody here, you need to stop digging wells and building all kinds of things, and you need to find an altar of prayer. Amen. You can say, I have no talent. I have no beauty, no great personality, no impressive intelligence. What do I offer the Lord? Amen. What can I give God? Amen. I don't have a castle. I don't have a mansion. I have nothing to offer him. No talent, no beauty. But can I tell you, by the way, beauty and talent can never replace a prayer life, neither a calling. It doesn't matter whether you can sing like a like a like a hummingbird if they sing or if you can sing like the best singer in the world and they're knocking on your door to cut a record it doesn't matter if you can play every instrument you hear me you're singing and you're playing amen or whatever it is that you're talented at it will never replace a prayer life you can move the moment you can woo and wow the crowd but what prayer can do amen that one man 
He meant two strings short on a guitar and add a key can move greater things because he prays than the greatest talent in the world. I remember, I'm, I'm out of the world. I'm a preacher out of order, I guess. I'm not, my father wasn't a preacher. I'm not the son of a preacher. And uh, I come right off the streets. I didn't give up a scholarship to USC to play football or basketball or baseball. I did not walk away from, amen, an inheritance of millions to run corporate America to serve God. I had no athletic abilities. I had no talents. I could not sing. I cannot play anything well. Amen. I come completely bereft of any natural abilities, which leaves me in quite an odd position, like a square peg in a round hole. I have run with preachers. I've been preaching for 27 years. I can't tell you the number of men that that, that gave up uh, 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 deals to be uh, minor or major league baseball players. I mean, I've met him by you know, Jim Brand. I don't know if you remember him. Hey, man, and, and all these guys that used to, man, they had scholarships to Michigan State and to Texas. And, and I, I've been with a lot of, and, and when you go play ball with them, they can slam dunk and they can, they can rack up ball your nose right off your face. And they got talent and ability and they're hunters. Uh, amen, and they, they, they can sing and play everything that there is on a platform, and while they're preaching, they're playing the organ, you know, and everybody plays, you know, then they jump to the piano, and they're singing, and play, and then they're great, I'm not making fun of them, amen, and then I come on and say, you know what, can't do that. I didn't give up anything but a life of sorrow. And probably my end would have been in a jail cell dead somewhere on a street alley. I gave nothing up. I had everything to give. Amen. No talent, no ability. And I came to God. And I'm pro I feel like the antithesis of all other preachers. I, I, I'm being honest with you. When I was in school, I was voted most likely not to succeed. I was a loser. I've been 17 schools. One time I've been kicked out of every school in the entire district. It didn't look like my life was headed anywhere. I was miserable. I was lost. They didn't see me coming to church. Said, Man, we got potential walked in the door. Hello there, Brother Frazier. Come on up. Are you kidding And he wanted her to give me the time of day. But see, I found an altar to pray. And everything I lacked came up short. But I remember, I went to Bible school, don't have time to tell you the whole story of how and why I should be there at 15 years old and ask for 10th grade and all that junk. I don't have time to go through all that. But I was at Western Bible College. It was WABC, Western Apostolic Bible College back then. Now it's CLC. 
I was the youngest in the Bible college that lived on the dorms. I had college and high school classes. I finished up my high school. I hadn't been in church for probably nine months. And uh, I'm sitting there with complete square peg. We got surrounded there in the dormitories, preacher's sons, district, uh, superintendent's sons, everybody's sons that were, you know, in the Bible school. And then we had the Mexican apostolics that sent all of their all of their uh, kids that uh, were in trouble with the law. I'm not kidding either. I'm telling you, it was uh, my, f- my first week on the dormitories, in the dormitories on the campus. I was coming in. I wasn't supposed to be out at midnight, but I was walking across. And these two guys that also were in the dorms uh, kicked me, knocked me to the ground. I wasn't even ready for it. I was going on streets. I thought I was safe. I was at Bible school. Took my money, and I quickly found out what Bible school was all about. There, on those lonely grounds in Stockton, California, many a night I opened up my window, stepped out, was away to the roof of that dormitory, and I was, I guess, strange, if you want to call me strange, I would sit up there at 2 and 3 in the morning, and I would pray, and I would cry, because I felt so out of place. Everybody else was a major and was a major and that. They had intelligence and family and fame and fortune. I said, God, what am I ever going to do? There's nothing for me. And God would talk to me those many nights on top of that Bible college dormitory roof. And I would cry and I would pray. Wasn't long after that I ended up in Kerrville, Texas, going to church there. It was always the same story everywhere I went, you know, all the time. I would still felt like this square peg. I would find myself getting off at work at one or two in the morning. I'd go to that little church in Kerrville. It wasn't locked back then. We didn't have to worry about that in those days. And I'd go there and I'd pray and I'd pray. And I had no idea. In my young mind, I didn't have the capacity to understand that there was a God that was listening to this boy's wasn't the son of a preacher who had nothing to offer the church. I had no contributions that I could possibly give. I stuttered when I testified. I was scared of crowds. But yet somehow God heard my prayers. No one ever prophesied over me in a service. I was never levitated above the ground, swirled around in a circle and set back down and a halo set on me, and he's called of God for this generation. None of that ever happened. No angels appeared unto me, touched my lips. I never had no special moments. If you have, God bless you. I'm happy for you. But that's just not the way that it happened. But what happened was that God heard a 15-year-old's prayer that wanted to do something for the kingdom of God. I had no idea, never, any lofty aspirations that I would preach a meeting or that I would even be here in this church on this day back then. All I wanted was God. I want to be used somehow in the kingdom of the Lord. And God can take what was a a despicable, useless individual with no background and no talent and no education and God began to deal with me. 
And when God's anointing, amen, came on me and called me to preach, amen, I was astounded and flabbergasted and could not believe that God would ever use me to preach. But I'm telling you, it was prayer that got me through those rough years. It was prayer that God answered. And miracle after miracle, obstacle of obstacle was removed out of the way. And God brought about revival in my life. I am not a man that has pulled himself up by his own bootstraps and feel like, look what I've done. You know what I feel like tonight? I feel like that I am blessed of all men. That God could come down and he would hear a little boy's prayer. What are you preaching? I'm trying to encourage somebody this morning that the greatest asset that you have is just a prayer away. Just a prayer away. Just a prayer away. Do you ever feel, and then come to the music, do you ever feel like you're butting up against a block wall? Do you ever feel like you can't just get beyond a certain point? Have you ever felt like the problems are so overwhelming that I can't even breathe? Or am I the only one that has ever gone through something like that? Have you ever been so bothered that, that, that you gasped even for breath? You rolled in your bed at night and couldn't sleep. You toss and you turn. And every day, amen, you begrudge the morning when it comes. And you begrudge the night when it finally gets there. Though you hope for each one in between. There's no happiness. It doesn't feel like there's real peace in your life. You feel like spiritually that you're not getting anywhere. Amen. And it feels like something has stopped you up. Amen. When there ought to be free flowing and there ought to be free Holy Ghost that is moving. Amen. You feel like it's all bottled up. You feel like you can't win anybody. You feel like you're at a point. Amen. That you're wondering, am I against the Great Wall of China? What has happened? I've come to tell you this morning that your answer is in prayer. When you can't pick yourself up and you can't put the pieces back together because it's so fragmented, I'm here to tell you that prayer is your answer. That prayer can put it back together again. That prayer will bring about a greater work than you ever Ever imagined. I preached too long. But this key is delicate. I can't persuade you or be persuasive. I can't coach. I can't push you into that. Somebody this morning needs to get a revelation that prayer is a key to heaven. It's not who you know and what you know in this earth. It's talking to Jesus. I don't know who it is and what you're going through or if it's a church deal. I don't know if it's individual. Oh, but I'm telling you, you've got to learn to pray. 
if you're struggling with sin, there's some things you, you, that, that if prayer will get by, but it's certain times of prayer that get you by. You can't fornicate and be right with God. You can't fornicate and pray and expect a revival. You can't commit, amen, adultery and expect revival to come. You can't be, amen, addicted to pornography. You can't be messing around, amen, with worldly things and expect prayer to bring about this majestic, uh, wonderful world. But prayer will get you past that adultery. Prayer can help you not to commit fornication again. Prayer, uh, but you got to pray. You got to recognize, I got to get this stuff out, but it only comes out by prayer. believe it's the will of God for every every church to create to be a lighthouse to a lost and dying world and to win souls. I believe it's the will of God for this to be a soul saving station for the carnality to stop it up. And it's got to be clear on with prayer. Praying people don't Praying people get over the sin. Praying people build up a resistance to sin. Oh, come on. You can't do it on your own. But this morning, prayer, just a short prayer. It don't take a, a long prayer always. It's just the prayer of faith. It's praying every day. It's somebody that will break loose this morning. If you want to continue in sin and continue in your union, in your secret, chained up, bound up in sin, and no one can locate you, sit there and you'll be dismissed in a few moments and you will continue the way you've always been. Now I'm preaching to somebody this morning. If you're ready for release, if you're ready get up out of your pew and I want you to come down to this altar right now. It's up to you. I'm not, I don't have any sad stories, nothing to pull you with. But right now, if the Holy Ghost has been talking to you, I want you to come down to this altar and get free and have faith that when you pray, of saints with their tears are bottled. You have not because you ask.